Okay, everybody, welcome back to Tech Gumbo. Again, I'm Haggai Davis II, your host. Haggai III is off this week. We have three gentlemen, all tech firms, joining us today. We have Don Monastery, we have Justin Obney, and, and, and we have Lex Adams with us as well. So, gentlemen, welcome back again. This is the first segment was a fascinating co conversation here on artificial intelligence and large language models. Wanted to start this this segment off when you have companies backing these models, the Microsoft, which just jumped into the open AI and, and Sam Altman is now going to be sending Satya Nadella a Christmas card forever. Then you have the, the Google Gemini, which they start off with Bard and Gemini and you got Metas and you've got all these different. How much does it matter the big company supporting the LLM to push that further along? In the, in the competition wars as to who's going to be best. Is that important or is it really more about the application and the LLM itself? I think well, one, I, leads, one leads to the other, right? I mean, look, at the end of the day, this is a massively expensive endeavor to um, not only provide a product that's actually working, but to continue to break ground without you know, taking over the world because there's, there's, we're still figuring this out as we go, right? And that's one of the reasons why we we talked a little bit about, hey, what really happened with Altman, and and why was everyone so nervous? What was was this as bad as we might think, or is that a whole lot of conspiracy theory? And and we're not really hitting, you know, this this area where we're starting to have to ask, are we going too far? Well, the Wall Street Journal had an article about it where they said it was because the board was trying to monetize OpenAI a whole lot more, and and Sam Altman was trying to hold to its its nonprofit roots because there's apparently OpenAI is split into two halves, a for-profit and a nonprofit, and the board wanted more profit, and and Altman didn't, and that was where the that's what with the article that I had read had mentioned. I think re regardless of these big companies' backings between or behind the models, I think it's it's very apparent that there's an extremely uh, hungry market here regardless. And I think that the gap is being closed quickly between open source and these big players driven primarily oh, yeah. by this market that is so clearly existing mm -hmm. that I think that regard I think we're we're starting to see a point where the big players and the backing are effectively the resources and the data to make it happen faster. But if they were to jump out, I don't see the other side slowing down in any way that should be stopping someone from and we saw making a move with, in this market. Like Dolly versus stable diffusion with the diffusion-based image generation as well. It's it's open source is going to close the gap. Now, but uh, Haggai, for the one of the first parts of your question was how are they positioning themselves how are they allocating their focus is it behind making the models better is it behind integrating businesses i'd really argue right now until q star or a model that can do math comes about you're not going to see much more than small very small incremental improvements in the performance of these language models i remember at the end of november actually bill gates came out and said that there are reasons to believe that we have reached a plateau regarding, you know, a GPT-5 potentially. And I, I have no, I, I can't really imagine 
many areas on general language models where we're going to see substantial improvements in the near future. So I think most of the resources are going to be around augmenting businesses, augmenting just how people live their lives. Heck, right now, I have a custom GPT <laughs> where I have instructions about the kinds of food that I like. And when I get to a restaurant, I, I think we were we were recently at this Spanish restaurant that's on, on Perkins. And I didn't know half the, the food items on the dang menu because it was all, a lot of it was in Spanish. I just took a picture of the menu and it gave me suggestions from there. I think this is the kind of thing that we're going to see more of. And, and that's really where we're going to have advancements in, in large language models in the coming months, I'd say in the coming six months. Um, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I think, again, more and more people are recognizing how they can make you know, these models useful to them, be very specific about the data that they're giving it. And I think less people are as concerned, which which is a little bit of a double-edged sword. You know, we we talked a little bit about, you know, hey, what policies should we be putting in place at our companies as it has to do with utilizing some of these tools? And I'll I'll use an example. There's a, a number of transcription AI services that you can you can get, and it didn't dawn on a lot of the users that hey, you're one really bad password away from potentially distributing information about your customers, about your own internal organization, because all of this information resides out in you know on the public web, right? So uh, the thoughts around 2FA and some of these other things with these services that are just coming out, it seems like they're coming out of the woodworks. That's It's all AI generated and it can all do these different things that can in- increase the productivity of your day. We still have to be mindful of the fact that, hey, all of the information that we're feeding these AI models, some of it is littered with you know personal information. Some of it's littered with you know, knowledge, property, and and we as an organization need to be mindful of those things. So uh, I think the, the, the use has increased and people are finding out how they can make it truly effective, which is exciting, mm-hmm. but it's also concerning, you know, that, that we might not be thinking about this exactly the way we need to be thinking just from a standpoint of just overall information security. So with Microsoft releasing Copilot, both the enterprise just inside your tenant and then Copilot for Windows, which is the rest of the open world, do you see the opportunity inside of businesses? I'm sure Google's going to have Gemini, which is going to be probably just for their the, the, the Google suite kind of things. Or are we going to be focusing more over the next year where we're building these models that just look at who we are internally and help us internally, or is it going to be more focused on externally? I think there's models in the middle. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so what I mean by that is to jump back to the previous discussion about having control of the retrieval, like what kind of data you're retrieving to steer this thing. And so it's very easy to think that like I could put a question into and and I'm and we're using chatbots, but I think there's some other interesting examples that extend beyond that. But right now, chatbots is what everyone is and is in everyone's head. So you put a question in there and it goes to your 
data and it looks up the most relevant data in your data and it pulls that data out and then it it sends that data to a system whose job is to analyze the semantics of that data while taking away all your personally identifiable customer information out of it and that's what it pushes in and sends out to the more powerful models and so it still gets a a response that's steered back to what you want but you kind of were able to intercept in between and like use an intermediate system to get rid of all that per PII and that's where every time I think through this I can just continue coming back to it ultimately just being an internet of these services and these agents that are all mm -hmm. communicating in their own little ways you know like one 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 system's job is to monitor retrieval and make sure that like none of the stuff going out to the outside world is PII and but but it can keep the semantics of the question or the data because it's very good at matching patterns I love Next. that I love that well I, I, it, I this isn't something that I've thought about a ton but a lot of companies that are utilizing this retrieval augmented generation are often taking customer support emails and taking, you know, this is how we deal with this problem and we shove it into a database somewhere to have a layer, a service layer that sanitizes personal information from that before it gets fed into another model, which serves it up, I think is absolutely brilliant. That is uh, a really cool application of, of, uh, of a middle piece for RAGs. So I, I also think back to when I saw that Microsoft bought Blizzard for like sixty billion dollars. Yes, some something insane. And then if you think about it, it's like, what is a video game? Countless analytics on something you're trying to achieve, and whether or not the person achieved it. And so all the data that everyone signed in can be used to build a profile of how this person learns just by the way they interact in this game. And so if you could export a profile of everyone's specific learning one, and then you push that into the school's le learner profile of the same e uh, email address, now the school has individual learning profiles that have been tailored to the kids just because the kids played games that asked them to solve problems and logged analytics. And so like, once you have a standard where these kind of profiles are coming through in this like internet of LLMs, things are going to get really interesting because like all of that stuff, like every swipe that you do on your phone, every action that goes through your iPhone can be building tailored profiles of you Dossiers. that can be used yeah. in this internet. And then, and then, and then that's one of the reasons I think like I've, I heard a take about the meta and people like that pushing the open source so much is as a way to lower the moat of the big companies. Because if you lower the moat of the big companies, the name of the game becomes what data do you have and what niche are you serving? Because then you can fine tune all of your stuff on yeah. that. Don, you made a comment earlier about just data security in general and how so many people are feeding in corporate documentation and user yeah. tech support information and so on. I do want to clarify for the for the listeners, if you're using OpenAI's, and I can only speak an OpenAI's policy here, I think Claude is the same way though. If you're using OpenAI's API to feed this data into their models, uh, that information is not to be stored Correct. by OpenAI. And that's something that that OpenAI gets audited for. They're a US-based company. 
we can feel pretty confident. I mean, I won't say 100% confident because after, you know, there was, there was a lot of stuff with our government and Snowden and eroded a lot of trust with the U.S. people. But I will say that we can have a some degree of confidence that OpenAI is not taking what you're feeding it and reselling it or using it to train, you know, new models. Although everything you're using from the chat interface, chat.openai.com, that can and is used to improve their models. Something yeah. to keep in mind. You read my mind. You read my mind because I, I, I know I made that comment and, and you had a great thought. I mean, one of the things that we do with our AI as a service application is we do scan it, even though we we control all of the data going in because we don't necessarily want customers not knowing exactly how to utilize the technology and then putting out you know personal information or what have you out there. But again, we our, our product has a, a two-factor authentication. There's a lot of things that go into making sure that we're putting the right information out there. So I would just caution everyone if you're, you know, when you think about those tools that you're using and, and heck, I, we, I won't even talk about AI. Think about voicemail, right? You know, if you're if you've got voicemail that you're forwarding across the Internet and that voicemail happens to have a diagnosis of a patient and you're you're a healthcare facility, you just you just you just had a HIPAA violation. You probably didn't know it. So those things need to be considered. When we're when we're talking earlier, regulation came up and kind of briefly we went on. Do you have concerns that you've got 535 people in D.C. who can't spell AI are going to start trying to create rules and regulations for artificial intelligence? You know, we, well, we saw the formation of that AI task force, right, from the White House, and they brought in Zuck, Sam Altman. You know, we, we got we had Google, Microsoft come in. Everyone came together and met at a summit. And there's been very, very little in the pipeline from what I've seen as far as regulation is concerned on around the guidelines or, or guardrails for the AI this kind of ties back in, though, to to what Justin was talking about there, with the open source models. There was, well, there was the one executive action like that that put out. And again, I I'm not an expert in any of this. This is all just merely interesting opinions I have. The most interesting thing, looking at the executive order, was the way they classified what things were beholden to this executive order and they classified it based off of effectively processing power and it was very interesting to see something be classified on processing power if you're in the tech world where you know the rate at which processing power increases you know moore's law because it starts to like think oh if you're using these open source models that someone else is building if they're all of a sudden building these models on systems that exceed this processing power do you some do you suddenly become beholden from a regulatory standpoint just by using them even though you weren't in like a training process of it at all and so like that was the most interesting thing to me was to see like oh if you can do like 10 to the 23rd petaflops you know, Washington might come out at you. And it was like, oof, I bet you a ton of people are not thinking that way when they're deploying these things. And it's going to catch people off guard when that just, because let's be honest, what do we think is going to happen? 
do you think like they're going to change the regulation just as fast as they put it out there? Is it just going to kind of be there for a while? And I'm not sure. It's very interesting. My guess is that the way at the rate that Congress reacts and 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 then they passes laws, it's going to take them three to five years to pass something. And by that point, whatever they were talking about is already outdated by three to five years. I mean, if you look at the European Union, they are way out ahead of everybody. They're trying so quick to get in front of so much of this this AI regulation, whereas our our Congress can't even agree on the time of day. And it, it's kind of concerning to me, like, OK, who's going to. Who's going to say, wait a minute, boys and girls, you've gone a little too far here. Let's <laughs> let's pull this back. Well, and that was what people were hoping would come out of that that task force. The the executive order that that Justin's referencing was mostly around regulation of how the government should interact in the when it comes to the development of these AI models. And it, it was exclusively exclusively yeah, yeah. about how the it's government. It's like it's like how how how. how you know how, how does the government deal with this? But that that doesn't really define how the models are developed or or how the AI progresses or any guardrails around the AI itself. And it certainly doesn't address open source models in development. I don't know if that's a can of worms that our government can safely address without overstepping their their enforcement. You know that that we've seen historically from from our government, at least here in the United States. Similar to what you might see from, I don't know, blockchain and and cryptocurrencies. There's a certain line that we don't see crossed here in the U.S. And I, I don't know if we're gonna see that either when it comes to the regulation of these big AI powers. And I don't even know if it matters, right? Just because it was incredibly hard to regulate decentralized cryptocurrencies. Similarly, it's gonna be almost impossible to stop open source models from developing you know, based on how the community sees to, to create them. So do you think there's going to be something as simple, one little throwaway part, the Section 230 for the Telecom Act of 96 that allows social media <laughs> to go run and create an entire industry? That's, that one paragraph is going to be what sets, sets AI apart? Or will I they think- have to drill down and, and really be specific about this? I think they're going to have to, man. And 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 I think they're going to have to, you know, you know, th- there's there's two ways to look at this. You know, they they create the task force of people who are creating, you know, artificial intelligence. That made me nervous, but then again, it's like, okay, well, who better to give our our government counsel, you know, than the people who know what the is it's capable of. But we we have to hope and and not assume because i think when we assume we 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 are typically wrong we have to hope that the the true intent you know is that they want to improve our our lifestyle but then again who defines that who defines improvement right who defines what we want a, you know ai to actually create for us and why do we need to regulate because it becomes a question of safety and i've still not been told any by anybody yet i totally get the concept and look i i am very concerned about math being something that artificial intelligence get gets better at because encryption is math and without encryption we're kind of screwed right (laughs) justin i'd love to get your opinion on that one right (laughs) but aren't these llms pretty bad at math right now (laughs) 
Yeah. Oh, that, that's exactly right. Well, that's that's the scary thing about Q Star, right? That's where we're yeah. starting to look at something that can do math better than than a human. Uh, Haggai, are we coming up on the end here? Yes, we uh, are. We got uh, about a minute. Sudden, right. About a minute. Hey, real real quick lightning round. I do want to bring up a couple things that are going on right now in in the large language model to, universe. If y'all want to do a third segment, I'm good with that. All right. Thanks, everybody. We'll be back with a, a bonus segment of Tech Gumbo on the next podcast. We also want to thank Cardinal Capital. To business owners and CEOs, hopefully you have a good relationship with your lender. Even if you do, sometimes you face other challenges, such as a need to consolidate debt, a want to level out your cash flow, or a desire to buy new equipment because you're in growth mode. If this describes you, give Cardinal Capital a call, whatever your need or challenge. They have over 4,000 lenders where they source commercial capital for business clients. Chris, Gary, and Rob at Cardinal Capital have a passion for business, and they want you to succeed. When you meet with Cardinal Capital, they get to know you and your business, so they can present your needs to lending institution that will best fit your unique situation. In short, they go after money for your business. They translate your business into what's important for lenders, and they are good at it. Depending upon what the deal is, no matter how complicated or straightforward, they will help maximize your profitability while setting your business up for success. They find the best solution for your situation, all while being fun and easy to deal with. For more detailed information, visit their website at cardinalcap.net. You can also call them 225-308-3700 or email them info at cardinalcap.net.